Welcome back to another episode of Michigan Hidden History. I'm your host, Theron. Today, I am excited to announce a new member of the podcast team. You may know him from past episodes. Please give a warm welcome to my new co-host, Mario. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hopefully, everyone's having a nice, blessed day and week. Uh, it's a Thanksgiving week. Uh, it's a couple days away from Thanksgiving. And, um, so I'm excited to be back on uh, another great uh, podcast episode with my friend Theron here. Um, I mean, last week we had a blast on the last episode. And this week, I hope we have another uh, big, big day. And um, Theron, how you doing? Doing Good. well? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, how about you tell the listeners just a tiny bit of yourself and how you how how you know me just to get the ball rolling. Okay, okay, okay. So Theron and I, uh, we, uh, we're, we go to Oakland University. We're students there, and we met like five years, four years ago, whatever it was, uh, at OU. And ever since then, uh, we've been uh, best friends there, and uh, yeah. It's been awesome, and now we're doing some podcasts, so hopefully this, you know, starts something great, but yeah, hopefully it's going to be a blast, but yeah. So, me and Mario are doing our student teaching together next semester, so we decided to work together with this podcast, and we may be coming out with a new one, depending on what, how our schedules are and what we're doing. So we yeah, may that, be coming true. up with a new one that based true. on our student teaching and our and our reflections there. Yeah, student teaching can be, is going to be great. Um, I'm ready for it. I am too. I am too. So this week, we're going to be talking about the Stony Creek Village and the Stony Creek School. The Stony Creek Village marker is just outside the Van Van Hoosen farm, and the school marker is just outside the the Stony Creek Historical District, which is on Washington Road, just south of the roundabout. And let's learn some history. Uh, The first settlers of Stony Creek, believe it or not, came in 1823. His name was Reverend Emil Taylor. He was single when he came to Michigan, and he came from the boring city and state of Stillwater, New York, with a population currently of around 8,500 people, believe it or not. In 1824, a sawmill, a gristmill, and a blacksmith, a blacksmith shop, and a distillery, a hotel, and a wool mill, along with conditional homes. In 1836, the Van Hoosen family moved to Stony Creek. They moved from Quebec, Canada. Uh, Josh was six when they moved from Quebec, Quebec to Michigan. In 1848, the village had enough people that they built a one-room school. Now, Theron, man, this guy, uh, <clears throat> Lemuel Taylor here. Um, what do you, I mean, moving from all from New York here to to Stony Creek. I mean, it, it must have been bad out there, man, to come over here. I, mean, so- I don't know if I would want to move out. <laughs> so the main reason people moved out, and I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, is because there was no land left in New York to buy, in the, in the state of New York to buy. So they, so once the Erie Canal opened up, 
everyone, mostly everyone from New York came to to um to Michigan so they could buy land and and own it. Oh, so, which is nice for the economy, you know. <laughs> I know. I I wish that that would happen now, but but you but you're seeing how Michigan economy is, and I think we mentioned it in the last podcast about how Michigan sports teams are terrible and and why um people are not not coming here because there's no jobs left because yeah, we're an automotive yeah. state and and all the automotive jobs are moving out of out of country being outsourced. Yeah, for cheaper labor. Yeah, that's that's the downfall. <laughs> that, that's that's uh, the big problem. And that is the big problem when you depend on one one sector of the economy. Yes, but you know, <laughs> things you know, things hopefully will change. So, what did he say that the population of Stillwater was? Uh, it's, it's about 8,000, like 500 people, believe it or not, man. Did, 8, did you look that up or did you know it off the top, top of your head? Uh, I knew it from the top of my head, but I, I, I knew it. So, so that's amazing because I looked up the population and it, and it is just around 8,000. Hold on. I'll look it up quickly again. It is around eight thousand two hundred and eighty-seven people as of twenty ten. So yeah, you're only three hundred off. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty uh, small population uh, over there in Stillwater. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel, yeah, but we can't expect to see about you know more than that there. So I mean, no one. Need, I mean, the common person probably doesn't even know <laughs> where Stillwater is. I don't so, know where Stillwater is. Yeah. So yeah, that's a small city. So Stillwater is on the is on the border of New York and New Hampshire and Massachusetts. If it's it's, it's there and it's very 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 small. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. So we talked about schools in our last uh in, in our very first podcast together. Uh, just before um, just before school started, we did a history of uh, schools in Michigan. So yes, we did. So if you want to listen to that one, go back and and listen to it, and you'll know the story about how we went from a one room school schoolhouse system to the current one that we have now with with so many different schools like elementary school, junior high, high school, and colleges. And how that became a thing. But yes, go listen to it, everybody. Uh, you will not be disappointed. I believe that was one of our best episodes. Yes, yes, it was. So, backpedaling, we're going to be moving on to when Josh was 17. He moved to California to find gold. We don't know if he found any, but after he came home to Stony Creek, he purchased his family farm. And married Sarah Taylor. Do you know who Sarah Taylor is, Mario? I don't know who Sarah Taylor is. She's the granddaughter of the very first settler, Reverend Lemuel Taylor. How about that? How about that? (laughs) 
Hey, she's lucky. I know. <laughs> I know she is. They had two daughters, Alice and Bertha. And you won't guess what Bertha did. I mean, it was the most re- rebellious thing that you could ever think of. And we'll, and what do you think um of Josh moving to California to find gold? Uh, Josh moving to California to find gold is probably that's that's crazy to me. Um, he he just <laughs> there must have been money on me, right? Big entrepreneur entrepreneur at seventeen. He wanted to find gold. He must have the gold fever, right, Theron? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and. It was in 1849 that gold was struck. And you know uh, how I remember that date? How do you remember that? Remember that year? The San Francisco 49ers. Ah, That's why they're called the 49ers is because in the 1849, they found gold in, in California. Ah. That's a great relation right there. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that until my dad told me. Yes, everybody, if you knew um, football, that's what it's about. Yeah, yep, yep. That That's a cool connection with, with football and history. I'm pretty sure that a lot of uh, teams over here, like the Patriots, are, are related to the um, Revolutionary War people who fought against British in the 1776 um, we have the 76ers, who are a basketball team. That year is the 1776 when, um, when what happened in 1776? I'm blanking out, Mario. Was it when we declared independence from Britain? It, uh, yes, 1776, you are correct. Yes, yes. Okay, so so we have tons of teams here that, that, um, that relate back to history, and we can go on and on with them, but... But we're not. So, so that's a podcast episode. For, That'd be a long episode. Time. That would be a long episode. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. We can spend here hours and hours going through the history of teams and what and what their names are and how they relate back or the story about how the teams got their names. But that that that's a story for that's a podcast for a different time. Yes. But I don't know if I mentioned this because I forgot. But um, Josh and Sarah had two daughters, Alice and Bertha. Oh, that's how we got into this conversation. Yes, Bertha. You were mentioning Alice and Bertha. Yeah, yeah, okay. And that, and, and we're going to be talking about Bertha in, in the next in the in the next segment. Now to talk about. Bertha Van Hoosen, oh boy, what a story she has. So Bertha was a surgeon and worked on women health issues, but her journey to become a surgeon is for another podcast. It's going to be a great podcast. Don't worry. It's going to be the next one, actually. Actually, because we're going to be talking about Van Hoosen Farm in the next podcast, and that's when we're going to talk about Bertha's story about how she became a surgeon. Oh, that's gonna that's that's gonna be very fun. It's gonna be and, nice, uh, nice listen. Yeah, yeah, and and in, and in addition, uh, Alice became a school teacher at the at the 
at the Stony Creek school that we're going to talk about. And her father, Josh, was the school superintendent. That, that's quite insane. <laughs> so so you wow. can see nepotism at work in the early 1800s. Interesting. <laughs> hmm. So so what so what do you think about early nepotism that we see in the in the early 1800s in 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 in, in um in the school system there? Well, uh, it's quite uh, honestly it's quite interesting. Um I mean in the school system nepotism uh it's Back in the early days is, uh, you know, quite crazy to think about compared to now. I mean, <laughs> what'd you say? I mean, I, I I would think it would be more common back then because you can't find school teachers that much. Well, uh, yeah, you couldn't because they weren't educated enough. But I don't know about doing it for school teachers. Yeah, that that's quite crazy. I don't know. <laughs> imagine, imagine if one of the Utica board members became a teacher just because her her mom or dad were on the um, or or his mom and dad were on the Utica board. They got a better job because of yeah. That, that's just, yeah. That's like me going to find, go to the going to just. Find a guy that has never, you know, graduated high school or anything, and tell him, you know, you're you're my family member. Let me give you a job, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a, uh, Which I mean, back then, if you listen to our uh, podcast on 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 the history of schools in Michigan, you will learn that back then there were no um, teachers' exams or, or 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 anything like that. So there was no way to certify that you're an actual teacher. Yeah, that is correct. There was no way. Uh, you just, you know, <laughs> you just somehow had to teach uh, kids and, you know, people trusted you. So. Yeah, we, we, which is like private schools now because because um, because um they don't require a, a teaching certificate. It's only public schools that, re- that require teaching certificates from the state. Uh, yeah, but private schools, you know, uh, are they receiving the better education than public? I highly doubt it. That's a conversation uh, for a different day, though, right? That is, that is, yeah. Right, and, right. And, and I think we got into this in, in our in our um, school podcast, which yes. which which both me and Mario w- would highly recommend you listen. Yes, please uh, give it a listen, please. Um, <laughs> you will like it. It's a bit long, but you will like it. Find your favorite parts and listen to it. Okay. Um, you want to get back with a little bit. You yeah, want to get back, back? A little bit here. Yeah, J- Josh's granddaughter Sarah. We were talking about um, earlier. Josh, um, his granddaughter Sarah got a doctorate in genetics and operated the family farm until 1952, when she gave Michigan State University 300 acres of land. Yes, she gave the Michigan State University, the Michigan State Spartans, 300 acres of land. Um, the village in 1971 became a state historic district in 1972 is recognized by the federal government it is a national historic district which is this is the first that i've done it's the first historic district that i've actually done with the 
And the village is no more uh, because it's part of Rochester Hills, but the historic village is still there. So it's crazy to think about, man. Wow. Recognized by the federal government and then just vanished. But but that's crazy. So so the reason it was recognized by the federal government is so like the bigger city as Rochester Hills develops, they don't destroy the area. Ah, you you, you know it's an honor to get your um um house or or land as part of the national national uh, historic registry or the state historic. Not not the state because because that can be removed by the landowner. Yes. But the federal but 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 if you have a national historic district or national historic um landmark by your name, now that mm-hmm. cannot come down at all. You have to go through lots of bureaucracy and and it's a big headache in order to get that off, off the name. So usually people don't do it. But it is so that district is preserved, and as I said, it is um, it is a bit far away, but it's it's an actually a good visit to go and see the the farms and all that stuff that they had. Yeah, I gotta I gotta pay a visit too. I gotta look at this. Yeah, and when right. I went, and when I went, it was in the middle of the pandemic, so so the um, museum inside was closed. Oh, it was closed. That's a bummer. Yeah, I know, I know. So I had to do, um, so I had to do the outside tour, which is where I took pictures of 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 all the historical markers that I saw there. So that's what I did, but but I really want to go inside and 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 visit and learn more about the Van Hoosens, which, which again we we will be covering in the next podcast. But yeah. Yeah, they seem like the a Dutch. pretty chill family. They like the um, Optins in, in in Sterling Heights. That's how big they are. Like, like if you if you live in Sterling Heights, you know who the Optins are, and the Upton family, oh, yeah. and what they contributed. Yeah, unless you live under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, unless, yeah, unless you live under a rock and you don't know anything that's going on. But yeah, like like everyone in Rochester knows um who Martha um Wils- who Martha Wilson is the person who who donated Oakland University, and then everyone knows who Van Hoosen was um who gave their land to Michigan State. I I love how all these rich people think that it's a cool idea to give away their land to to universities. Yeah. <laughs> you realize that because this is the uh, this is I think this is the second time it it happened in 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 Oakland in Oakland County history that that land is given to them to um to a, a university. The first would be Oakland, and that and that um is a pre-recorded podcast and it's going to be released sometime in 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 uh, December. But yeah, that that's gonna be a good listen as well. Yeah, what do you think <laughs> about all these all these rich uh hoity toity hoity toity ladies uh giving away their property to 
to to universities because they don't want to take care of it anymore. Well, listen, uh, I think it's not a bad idea. Um, uh, the, the university definitely use the land. They'll, they would use the land more than these people, right? And if you're not going to use land, you know, just, you know, <laughs> they could, you know, they could probably, you know, build something for people, you know, build something for the community, right? But, you know, giving it to the university is not a bad idea. The university will take good care of it. Uh, it's better than letting it go to waste, right? I mean, yeah. These rich people, they buy so much and they just, <laughs> they just give it away like it's, like it's a dollar bill, right? But <laughs> remember when Josh and his parents moved here in 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 uh in eighteen thirty six, they didn't have that much money and they bought all this land because land was cheap back then. Mm-hmm. Because of the Homestead that's Act. It. Yep, that's what happens. What he changes your life, and then all of a sudden you just realize that you just did too much. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, so if you want to learn more about how Michigan State University uh, gives away the land, listen to our next podcast. And now on to the ad break. Hope you enjoyed the ad. Now on to our second topic about Stony Creek School. It was created by the School Act of 1829. The, the act created the Stony Creek School District, and the schoolhouse was built in 1848. And it was built to house all grades, K through 12. Mario, I think, I know we discussed this on our, uh, on our um, podcast back in August, but, yes. but, but what do you think about teachers teaching all the grades K through 12 in one room, and how, and, and how do you think that they did that? And how big do you think the, <laughs> that the class was back then, too? Like, class well, size. Yeah, you're talking one room, teaching all grades. Um, that's a disaster. Um, how they did it, um, I'm assuming great classroom management. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if I would be able to handle that. Um, but, yeah, Kate, that, that just sounds horrible. I don't think I, as a future teacher that I would ever want to endure that situation at all. I, I think it's just uh, not right and <laughs> not fair to the kids that actually want to learn because I'm pretty sure they, they weren't having a great time. I mean, am I wrong here, Theron? <laughs> I don't know that for sure, but I do know that the teacher would um would pull aside a particular grade and teach mm-hmm. that for a while and then move on to the next grade and move like that throughout the week and throughout the whole time that she's teaching the other um other grades she would be give he or she sorry I shouldn't be saying she because because if you didn't know me and Mario are two two guys going into teachers going into the teacher profession but um he or she would give them give the students who who she's not pulling or working on busy work or stuff to do. Yes. So what? Um. So what do you think about that? Giving students like like it's like pulling small reading reading groups, but and pulling pulling groups aside. But now now we're doing everything virtually. But but in person, it was pretty easy to do. 
Yes, it, it was. Yes, um, but back back then, I probably much easier now, or much easier back then than now. Uh, back then, they didn't have like, too many distractions, right? I mean, now, I mean, I, I don't see working ever. <laughs> I mean, reading groups. I mean, you can you can you know have one part of the class do a, a you know read right, and the other class would be doing like science stuff, right? Yeah, it's definitely possible back then. But if we're talking now, very not likely. Here's why: um, kids these days are always looking for attention, especially lower lower L kids, right? So, I mean, if you tried to do that with kids today, they'd be out of their seats. They'd be, you know, walking around trying to look what's going on. But yeah, back then I could see definitely possible, but. Hey, I, I definitely still wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, and, and times change too. It, yes, time has changed. Time and technology. <laughs> yeah, now I, I think I sent you this, but now um they don't have snow days anymore. They have yes. no internet days. I sent you an article. I sent you a tweet this morning saying that um one of the school districts in Michigan had to cancel school. Because there was no internet, they had the whole internet up there went down. That that's hilarious. So, like, what do you think about about um about um school uh, um about no more snow days and now it's more like no 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 power days? Uh, here's what I think. I, I think snow days are just they're worth more. <laughs> I, I I like uh, you know. You know, anticipating a snow day when I, um, you know, went to bed that night, right? We all anticipated that, you know, when it was snowing, we're like, hopefully the superintendent canceled the day, right? <laughs> and now you, you go to bed and it's just, no, no internet, no school. It's like, it's not hyped up anymore um, as, it, as it used to be. Yeah, and the right? only problem is, is is we don't know if if there's no more snow days because that has not occurred yet. Um, it will be in more in the future when we will know more about that. Because yeah, I, right I now we haven't gotten enough snow to 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 warrant a snow day per se. But yeah, yeah. But I, I still think there will there will not be snow days again as long as the students have the technology that the district has handed up today. If they take away the technology that they give the students, then there would still be snow days. But as long as everyone has a computer, right, they can log on that day. No more snow days. They're, they're a thing of the past. Yeah, that's what my opinion is. Do you think? Do you think that they will have asynchronous work, or do you think that we we, we will all be on there with synchronous work and uh, doing all that stuff? Well, are you talking about like if there's a snow day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's a snow day, asynchronous for sure. Yeah, asynchronous, um, for sure. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, even with the snow day, I mean, you, <laughs> um, you still be doing work, so. I just feel like technology, you know, doing that. I felt like, you know, snow day was actually a, a break, you know, a day of, a, you know, a break day, right? And now with technology, with some having to go, they don't get breaks on snow days. So, so it just kind of sucks. So I, I don't know why, I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess we would call it now a tech out day. Tech out day, which oh. is where you still have to do work. <laughs> I know, I know you do. It's not really a, it's not really a day where you get a break because I 
remember back in the day we would get like um snow and then we would go outside and play and like go sledding and all that stuff but now it's it's too cold and these parents are too sensitive to their children going outside and 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 sorry if there's any parents out there but 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 society has changed so much that children are not even allowed to like go outside and walk by themselves without without parents like freaking out. I know that I saw a story that a girl was walking her dog um around the block unsupervised and a person called the cops on the parents because this 12-year-old child was walking her dog by herself around the block. You serious? Yes. I am serious. This actually happened like two like a two years ago. You must that is you, 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 you must think how horrifying that would be to me that I still re- remember that to this day. Like it is unbelievably stupid that that happened. Because I know when I was like five years old, I would walk to my school by myself with a friend. Yes. And back. By myself, people. I would walk to school by myself sometimes because my friend would either be sick or he didn't get up. This culture has changed so much that, that it is unrecognizable. Like... Like, oh my God, parents, you need to chill out and you need to like trust your kids to, 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 to like, to like, um, do their own thing. Like, honestly, that's my opinion on it. What do you think about all this stuff? And then we will get back to the podcast. I know we took a very big detour here. I, I, I just, yeah, times have changed. Um, kids any age now have seemed to be walking home. You know, um, back in the day, it was, you know, I mean, parents cared, right? But it wasn't, it wasn't like a deep thought of, you know, hey, he's 10, he's 12, he's walking to school, right? You know, uh, he, something's going to happen. But now, in today's world, it's, it's pretty big. I, I mean, kids nowadays, you know, are like eight and they're walking, right? They're walking home alone and stuff. So, I... I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I'm personally not a fan of it. I mean, anything could happen, but times have changed, you know. Back then, I mean, they cared a lot more, I'm telling you. Now, they don't. I don't know. You, I don't know why that is. You, you think that that's the case with the story that I told you about the 12-year-old girl who got the cops called on her parents because she was walking her dog alone around the block? Yeah, I think um, that is the case. Um, they just, they're worried for her. I mean, I didn't read the entire article, but I'm pretty sure they're very worried for her. <laughs> like a 12-year-old walking a dog. But in today's world, if, or in today's society, if a 12-year-old goes walking a dog, there would be no cops called in 2020. Guaranteed. I mean, I wouldn't call the cops. I'd be like, oh, it's just, I, I know, me neither. I wouldn't have even called the cops on, uh, on the parents that day for allowing her to walk her dog by herself. I yeah, I, I, I think there, there are people too extreme in, 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 in this scenario 
that are like too worried about their kids getting hurt and are way too overprotective of their children yeah. and they're not allowing them allowing them to grow. Yes, and it's usually the elderly um, population. They they grew up in an age of era where their parents were strict and you know made sure that they had a ride to school or they were walking in a safe path. Um, they're just trying to be the parents of the neighborhood, which is all right. But I mean, sometimes it's over too. It's just too much, you know. Let let parents parent the way they want, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it's quite funny to me. I'm glad I never had to really deal with that. So I am too. I am too. But let's get back to the um, podcast and topic of of Stony Creek School. So. In 1931, they finally um, built Rochester High School and started enrolling high school students. So now, now the one-room schoolhouse was K through eight, which is what our certificates are in. Conveniently, co- coincidental that 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 our certificates are are are, are K through eight, and in 1931 they built Rochester High School. So. So that's a very cool and kadink. It is very cool. So, so in, so this one room schoolhouse had um, two women graduate from the school. I know you know who they are because we talked about them above. They are Bertha and Sarah, and I'm pretty sure Sarah's mother was her teacher. But there's no proof of that. We don't actually know of that. It's just speculation. In 1952, an addition was built onto the school. But later that year, it was sadly closed because Rochester Community Schools, the big, bad, big school district, annexed Stony Creek School District and then closed the school after that graduating class in 1953. So what do you think, I think we talked about this also in our, in our uh, August podcast, but what do you think about the bigger school districts swallowing up or annexing the smaller school districts to making them one whole school district? Um, honestly, if there was not enough population within the smaller school district, I'm okay with it. Um, make it one big district, right? Um, it works. It works in today's society. And I'm not. I'm not opposed to it. I mean, you you might be, but I, I like uh, one big school district rather than multiple. You know, one it's a one big one and then a couple of small ones, right? It doesn't make sense that way. Just have one big one, and you know, have kids strive greatness through it, right? I mean, I'll, have you seen an issue with this? I don't. No, I, I don't. Mean, and that is how Utica Community Schools is is the second largest school district in in in, in um in in Michigan. Is that they swallowed up all the surrounding school districts, smaller and, school and districts, great. and they could have gone <laughs> further, but they sadly had to stop because of the money money restrictions and and how they're going to bus people back and forth and all that stuff. Wow, of course, money you know plays a role in a in a powerhouse school district trying to you know better Michigan. That that's funny. Um, 
yeah, UCF is definitely a top school district, and you can see why uh, a big powerhouse would swallow up pointless small little school districts. Some viewers out there may disagree with me, but that's fine. But um, you, you can see UCS as a powerhouse, and it, it's like basically the best school district here in Michigan. So, and that's a fact. Uh, I don't know about that. That could be a ba- basis of a, a, of opinion there. Be- be- because a full disclosure, me and Mario went to Utica Community Schools, K-12, through the whole way, and we are the most biased people to, to, to be talking about this topic, about which school district is the best one. That is true. I could be a little bit biased here, but, you know, I'll look up my facts later, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'll be right. <laughs> All right. So if you haven't listened to my um to this is to the story of my life podcast, um you may not know, but I do have a younger brother and he has a newsletter which is linked inside the show notes. So if you want to check it out, please do. Um but this week he has a challenge. Uh for one day this week. Try to limit yourself to one hour of screen time and improvise to keep yourself entertained. So that means no phone, um, not on the computer, TV, switch, or tablet, and etc. Whatever has a screen, you cannot use it. That means that you cannot be listening to podcasts or music while you do other things. That is considered cheating and it is considered part of screen time. Even though your device may not think that it, it is screen time, it is still screen time. Um, there is also a social media aspect to this challenge. So on Facebook and Instagram, you can this challenge is to revisit your childhood memories. Um, so this is to relive your favorite childhood memory. You share it with five. You share it and you tag five friends to do to do the same or to do a different activity. So you so this picture will also be on the show notes. I think if I can get it on there. If not, just access his newsletters, which 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 is linked in the show notes. So. I'm going to read right off of the flyer. So this says, um, hashtag childhood challenge, which you will um, put at the end of your uh, post. And it says, relive a favorite childhood memory. Share and tag five friends to do the same. And you have an outdoor category, you have a creative category, and then you have a social games category. In the outdoor category, you have a sidewalk chalk game where you can make up a sidewalk chalk game and play it with you. Play it either by yourself or with friends, social distanced. Uh, you can climb a tree. You can make a mud cake. In the creative section, you can play a song on a shoebox guitar. You can make a painting or write a story. In the social in the social games asp, in the social games category, you can create a new language. Language, uh, you can design a game with your quarantine crew or you can play a board game 
or this is my favorite one you, you can make your own. So, Mario, talking about this, what will you do to relive your childhood uh, memory, a childhood memory? Uh, this week, um, for sure, to relive one of my childhood memories, I will be uh, going, <laughs> definitely trying to go outside a lot more, man. In uh, my childhood, I love going outside. Love doing a lot of things, uh, especially staying away from our, our phones or screen time, right? As you mentioned um, a little while ago. Um, yeah, trying to go outside, you know, probably uh, <laughs> not hang around with people, but, you know, go outside, enjoy the nice breeze, maybe shoot some hoops, right? Okay. That's, okay. that's what I would do. So, so, your, so your childhood memory is shooting hoops? Yes, loved it. Loved going uh, shooting hoops as a kid. Okay, okay. I think I'm going to make a mud cake. You're going to make a mud cake? Yeah, I love making mud cakes. Those those, those were amazing, even if even if you pretended to eat them. Or maybe you actually ate them. Who, you never know. Some people may have actually ate their mud cakes. But, yeah, so that's and that's the fun part. But, yeah, so that is the that challenge. What did you say? So that should be a fun time. Like you should, um, maybe I should try that mug cake. So yeah, yeah. Um, take a picture of your challenge or a video and post it on social media, and and don't forget to put hashtag childhood challenge on there. And if so, have fun, be safe. And now it is time to end the podcast. everybody i'm back um but sadly uh it's the end of another podcast here um podcast episode um hope you guys enjoyed the episode i'm just gonna the stream uh you guys can listen to this wherever podcasts are found uh preferably apple or spotify guys um we have a lot of viewers from both um and listeners uh, follow us on Twitter at Michigan Hidden History. If you want, if you want the latest updates, if you don't want to miss anything uh, when we upload, uh, definitely hit that Twitter follow. Uh, it's much appreciated. Uh, don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple. And this week's quotes, starting with mine. If they say it's impossible, it's impossible for them, not you. And my quote is: Nobody is perfect. We make mistakes. We say the wrong things, we get up, we learn, we grow, and we move on, and that's life. And guys, thanks for listening, and see you next week. And remember, have a happy Thanksgiving. Yep, have a happy Thanksgiving.